wind, it was howling and the snow was outrageous. We chopped through the night and we chopped through the dawn. When he died, I was hoping that it wasn't contagious, but I made up my mind that I had to go on. ISIS, Bob Dylan, 1976. Hello and welcome to this week's A Photographic Life. The wind and the rain has kept me away from the shed. And I have to be honest, it nearly blew the shed away at one particular point. But we're back in the shed and all things are good. Well, I say all things are good. Few things have been happening over the last uh, week or so that many people would seem to be quite a challenge. But I'll talk about those later. What I want to start off with is a Twitter thread that I saw recently. Uh, the Twitter thread began with a question. Photographers, what are the most pressing issues you face in your photo practice these days? Quite a, a sort of a general, I suppose, kind of a question there. And I'm not quite sure why the person was asking it, but never mind. What I did find interesting were the responses. And I'm going to read some of them to you here now. So the first one. Affording precious metals, palladium prices are through the roof. I may have to switch to salt printing or carbon. Taking photos with meaning and real context. In priority, money. Affording new gear, clean glass, clients who pay on time, interesting subjects to photograph, me time, family time, having enough work. Reconciling a normal photo practice with the sort of theories coming out of academia, like reading about post-humanism and post-photography is detrimental to a pleasurable practice. Making money. Mentally weighing whether I'm shooting for the art or for the social media likes. The physicality of the job as I enter my 40s, balancing being somewhat competitive in pricing in a down economy while considering recovery time amongst everything else you need to charge for. That's not a factor that non-photographers often consider. Perfectionism. I'm interested in entering a prize open now, but I'm drawing a blank on what to submit because every idea I have doesn't feel like it's good enough. Commercial work is slightly easier for me, but still not free of it. What pondering whom, with the developments in AI, will be commissioning and paying photographers in 10 years' time? Will it make an already competitive profession untenable? Copyright. So many clients are pushing to own it now, but it's a non-starter for me. Those amateurs giving away their photos for free can't compete with that. So a whole series there of responses covering a pretty broad, I suppose, landscape of the photography world today. It was very clear to me that I suppose without any sense of ego or arrogance, it would be really beneficial for most of those people to listen to this podcast. Not because you listen have to listen to me, but to listen to the photographers who've contributed and continue to contribute to the podcast. I think giving answers to those questions. What it did seem to me was fall down into two specific areas. One was the idea of being a working photographer in 2023 and the difficulties that presents. And any of us who work on a commission basis will know what they're like. I have written an article recently about clinging to the wreckage of the past, which is on the unitednationsofphotography.com website. Um, I think many of those people, and if, if any of those points I've raised, I, I suppose kind of 
connect with you, I really recommend reading that article. I, I'm not going to tell you that it's a, a positive spin on where we are today, but I think it's a realistic spin in that what were the good old days? And actually, how good were those good old days? I think that the answers to that question with a little bit of variation in there, perhaps taking out the AI and so forth, would have been exactly the kind of responses uh, that same question would have received 10, 15, 20, 25 years ago. Photography and working as a photographer has never been easy. Perhaps what these answers show is just how difficult it is. This week, we welcome to the podcast to explain to us what photography means to him in under five minutes, Richard Sharam, who is a documentary and project-centred photographer who grew up in Corpus Christi, Texas, mainly focusing on socio-economic or social justice dilemmas concerning the human condition. His work has been regarded as in-depth, up-close and personal. In 1996, he moved to Dallas, where he still lives, and started experimenting with photography. In 2005, he enrolled at Northlake College and took one introductory class in black and white film photography, and he was set on being a documentary photojournalist. In 2015, he initiated the Observe Dallas project, where he hung eight photographs on five different buildings in downtown Dallas for two months to highlight the lack of public art in one of the biggest cities in America. And in 2019, he became an Eddie Adams alumnus. Sharon's book, Campesino Cuba, published in 2021, resulted from a period of four years spent travelling across rural Cuba, exploring the lives of isolated farmers and documenting their relationship with the land. His images have been added to private and public collections across the world, with exhibitions in Kyoto, Japan, Sao Paulo, Brazil, Reggio Emilia in Italy, and also in New York and Dallas. He has been commissioned by the Meadows Foundation, Centers for Community Cooperation, Harvard Law School, Student Conservation Association, and the Children's Cancer Fund, amongst others. His work has been published by The Atlantic, Texas Monthly, Huck Magazine, El Pas in Spain, The New York Times Lens Blog, and The International Business Times Weekly. What does photography mean to me? It's a good question. Uh, in my 18-year career, I have dedicated my life to this path. And so I have pondered this question a lot um, in all my travels and driving all over the Midwest for this current book that I'm working on. Uh, it's come up a lot. And um, I would say that it's several things, but mainly, you know, mainly... Uh, the things that I'm going to mention here now. I think, first and foremost, I think that photography is is a meditation on life for me. It's an opportunity for self-evaluation, uh, an understanding of time and this mystery that we all find ourselves in. It's also an opportunity to understand your own limits and prejudices, weaknesses, and the thrill of connection between myself and an absolute stranger. 
them becoming a part of my story and me becoming a part of their story, even if only temporarily. It's also an opportunity to understand the limits put on people by society, by the way of superficial barriers between people and how easily those barriers tumble when put under the light of compassionate scrutiny. Uh, The way I see it is that, you know, when you believe your work should be without borders, your work inevitably becomes borderless. And I think that that is the state of mind that is proper for photography. Uh, Most importantly, though, I would say that for me, photography is activist in nature. I believe that it should primarily be used in the service of others. Uh, Photographers like Gordon Parks, Dorothea Lange, Larry Tao, W. Jean Smith, uh, they all come to mind and and all were fundamental to my early understanding of the power of photography and what what was capable with with a camera. I think that the uh, current trend of conceptual photography, uh, especially ones where the photographer only includes themselves in photos or no people at all, is merely a symptom of a society that is inherently becoming more and more introverted and scared of the world around it. We are a curious and a social species. This recessive trend, I feel, is not only destructive to our practice as photographers, but as a people. So I choose to move as hard as I can towards the other direction, towards others, towards people. The camera, for me, at once holds the humility of an anvil as well as the power of a hammer. And I try to employ it uh, in that regard uh, as much as possible. For me, I mean, what good is this tremendous power if it is to be wasted on hubristic self-indulgence? It's like someone brushing their own hair with a handgun. It's a misallocation of resources and energy when it can be used towards a new theory of collective empathy. So what does photography mean to me? Um, To sum it up, hammer, anvil, bridge, passport. It's an ambassador towards humanism against the inevitable march of time. And uh, that's what photography means to me. Thank you, Richard, for an incredible contribution this week. I hope you agree, listeners. I ain't really putting uh, everything to the sword, but with such clarity, uh, such emotion and such common sense, I really understand what he's saying. And I have to say, I agree with this constant obsession with the self that so many photographers seem to have. Maybe that relates directly to some of those answers I was giving you to the question at the beginning of this episode, where photographers feel kind of lost. They've lost the true sense of what photography is. I know that if you look at Richard's work, and I highly recommend that you do, you will not be lost and you will see what I'm talking about. Interestingly, I'm seeing a lot of work coming out of America at the moment, which really is returning to what I call kind of a a history of America. So it was great to hear Richard there talking about those photographers of the past, those icons, as kind of beacons for how we should be working as photographers. 
Tying things up, nothing ever planned, as we always say, but themes have definitely developed into this episode. I spoke about Bob Dylan at the beginning there. He's recently uh, released a version of his song, Not Dark Yet. It's called Not Dark Yet, version one. Highly recommend it, of course. But what's interesting to me is that the official video film that accompanies the release of that uh, old recording, actually, it was a bootleg recording that's going to be coming out early uh, this year. But the film is a montage, a collage of some of the greatest documentary photography of the last century. And it's incredibly evocative and I think really interesting. What then happened was I was playing it on YouTube and they automatically went on to another film, uh, Dylan's song Pretty Sorrow, S-A-R-O, which also has a film accompanying it, which shows that history of documentary photography. And it's a really interesting way of showing how great photography, particularly in America, although the uh, images that relate to Not Dark Yet also include, I think maybe it's a deal with Magnum. I don't know. I recognise a lot of photographs and a lot of photographers in there, uh, which perhaps are not the, the ones you would ordinarily expect to see in that kind of thing. So it's definitely not a lazy compilation, but highly recommend it. Even if you don't enjoy Dylan, turn the volume down and just look at the photography. Obviously, I'd prefer you listen to, to Dylan as well, but that's a separate discussion. So a lot of work coming out at the moment that seems to be moving away from that European aesthetic, that idea of kind of dysfunction and introspection coming out of America. So for me, that's good to see. I'll leave it to you to make your own decision about how you feel about it. I should say that links to both of those Bob Dylan videos that I've just spoken about are on the uh, page where this podcast is posted at unitednationsofphotography.com as usual. So do check that out if you're listening to this podcast via uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or wherever else you may be listening. I was talking about themes uh, a little bit earlier and the other theme I want to pick up on is Twitter. Uh, within the last two weeks, the at UN of Photo Twitter account tag, call it what you will, um, was hacked. I couldn't get into it. Uh, all of my passwords and so forth weren't working. And I tried through Twitter to uh, contact the people they said I needed to contact to try and get support and help with absolutely uh, no positive results at all. And in fact, most of the things I clicked on didn't seem to exist anymore, despite the fact that Twitter had recommended that's where I went to. Now, that's okay. Obviously, Elon Musk has uh, sacked most of the people there. We know that. And so I didn't feel too bad about it. But what I did lose with having it hacked was uh, 27 and a half, in fact, nearly 28,000 followers that I'd spent 10 years building up. A community, I thought, I hoped. But I'd long realised that Twitter may disappear and with it would be that 10 years of work and would be those 27,000 followers. I wasn't really interested in what I'd put on Twitter, but I was with that community that I was sharing material and getting material from so that I was learning and so forth. That really kind of mutual respect kind of relationship that um, I think Twitter can give you. So I'd long been thinking that it may disappear 
And there it was. It disappeared. I was on Mastodon and we are on Mastodon and we are on Vero and we are on Post as at UN of Photos. So if you're on any of those, check us out, find us there. But I have to be honest, I haven't had great success on those um, platforms uh, or on Substack where we, we now are, I should say. So you can follow us on Substack. But I hadn't had great kind of interaction. It seemed to me that Twitter was still fulfilling that requirement. I had already set up another tag, a kind of a, a backup. I have a few that I don't actually use, but which I kind of own, I suppose. And that was uh, at photo with a capital P, P-H-O-T-O, life with a capital L, uh, pod with a capital P. So at photo life pod with a capital P, capital L, capital P. And I'd had that as a backup for this podcast, really, because I'd thought at some point I might have a separate uh, Twitter feed for it, which I never used. Anyway, we are now there. So if you follow us on Twitter, or if you want to follow us on Twitter, rather than going to at you in a photo, we are now at photo life pod. What has been fantastic is I have to be honest, there was a certain weight um, of having such a large audience on Twitter. Uh, the idea that we're starting again from scratch, and I think we're up to about 400-odd followers, uh, maybe 500-odd followers. I'm not really keeping much of a, a tab on that because, to me, it was never about numbers. It was always about people. It was always about sharing information. So we're back on. We're, that's where we are. A lot of the people who were following us before have come over to us, and that's really great to see. And the photo community on Twitter has been incredibly supportive. So I want to say a big thank you to all of those people who shared the message that we were hacked. Now, I have written an article about this on uh, unitednationsofphotography.com, what happens when you lose 27,000 followers and social media is fragile. And I think it's worth bearing in mind at the end of this episode that all of that work, whether it's on Instagram, whether it's on uh, Twitter, what have you, it can all disappear at any point. I think what we've got to do is be open about that fact. We've got to be honest about it and not get kind of seduced into the idea of thinking that we cannot survive without them. There was a time when social media didn't exist and we did okay. So we can do okay in the future. Anyway, I'm really positive about what we're doing as always and keeping my options open. And of course, both mentally and physically, I'm doing my best to take care.